This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. A new powerful sports documentary that's premiering soon in New York City captures an NBA legend's lengthy and challenging journey to get his three-time NAIA champion Tennessee A&I college basketball team inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. An all-star in When I played for the New York Knickerbockers, they called me Fall Back Baby. Barnett with that fall back shot of his. In college, they called me the skull. Great southpaw shooting star for Tennessee State. My students call me Dr. Barnett. I've even been called names that I'd rather not repeat. But I call myself the Dream Whisperer because everything starts with a dream. The Dream Whisperer, basketball legend Dick Barnett's long, challenging, and historic journey to get his collegiate team inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame is the subject of an inspiring new documentary, The Dream Whisperer. And joining us, Fallback Baby, Skull Barnett, Dr. Richard Barnett, two-time NBA champion with the Knicks, Dick Barnett. So great to have you on Sports Jam. It's a, pleasure. it's a pleasure being here. Look forward to it. Now, I have to admit to you, your narration in this documentary brought tears to my eyes. Your struggles with segregation on all kinds of levels, racism mixed in, so amazingly with archival footage of not only your basketball career, but the civil rights movement, and done in such a professional way as we expect from Eric Drath, the director now that you look back on this long journey to get your college team into the Hall of Fame, what impacts you the most when you watch a Dream Whisper? Well, it was just a, um, I, I think our feet, feet was so uh, instrumental and, and obviously had never been done before. I, I thought that automatically would have put us in the Hall of Fame. It really has to make you wonder when you see in this documentary how many years it took and what you had to go through to finally get this to fruition. And one of the sad things about this documentary is that people who are in it, because it's 11 years in the making, many people are no longer with us, including Coach John McClendon's wife, who was so emotional in the documentary. No question. No question. 
What do you want to say about Coach McClendon? Well, no, I, I always uh, characterize Coach as a as a iron fist in a velvet glove, and he was a uh, uh, very subtle in his utterances. Uh, but uh, you, you understood that he uh, he worked at the at the elbow of uh, Naismith, so he had uh, tremendous credibility. And he eventually got in as a coach. He was in early as a contributor, but goodness gracious, how long did it take his three-time back-to-back-to-back champions? That team that you were on, is there one game in particular that makes it stand out? I would think it would be your first championship, right? Because you guys were not expected to do anything in that tournament, ranked 32nd, in fact, and you won it all. Uh, no question about it. And it really came down to the last 17 seconds when uh, we won a jump ball and the ball was tipped to me. And I uh, dribbled the length of the court and decided to pull up for my uh, fallback jumper. And fortunately, it went in. But uh, I, I characterize it. And looking at the March Madness now, we, we, we didn't have a day off. We had to play night to night to night consecutively without a day off. And, and one of the things I'd like to emphasize, I don't know if you know about it, perhaps you do. The, the NAIA was a forerunner uh, to the NIT and the NCAA. We, we, we really wanted to play Bill Russell and the NCAA. And Coach McClendon was instrumental in making sure that eventually you at least got a chance to play in the NAIA tournament and become champions. In 1957, nine years before Texas Western's NCAA title over Kentucky, there was the Tennessee A&I team, now known as Tennessee State University, the Tigers. And while Texas Western became the first team to win the NCAA title with an all-black starting lineup, your team... Dr. Barnett, Tennessee A&I was the first historically black colleges and universities to win the national championship tournament. And in this documentary, you have some of your teammates and you lost a few of your teammates throughout the course. of well, this I season. lost a number of my teammates, no question. And that's why I felt the urgency uh, to, to get this uh, historical uh, feat memorialized. Uh, before, uh, you know, before I pass. One of the most fascinating things about the Dream Whisper is the fact that the students, the current students, and even basketball players at Tennessee State had no <laughs> idea about your team, Dick. Well, that, 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 well that, that, that shows you the kind of thing that we were up against. Uh, it's uh, very regrettable. And I talked to the president of Tennessee State, Dr. Glover, that that, that should be rectified. And one of the things that that, that should happen, uh, every student that is enrolled at Tennessee State, that, that should be a recommended part of their orientation. They should know the history of Tennessee State. We finally got on the ballot in 2011. Please welcome the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, Mr. John DeLiva. 
We are here today to announce those that have been elevated to the level of finalist and have taken the next critical step in achieving the ultimate honor in basketball, induction into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, they, they got certainly some good discussion. The, the team was clearly noticed by the committee, it was discussed, um, and they didn't get a, the acquired votes to, to be elected, but clearly they are eligible uh, for the next three years at least. You know, they were on the ballot for the first time and didn't really receive enough attention to warrant them being included into the Hall of Fame. Now the problem is, not everybody who's voting knows what Tennessee a and has done. You know, you really have to dig deep into who these people were when it goes back to 1950s and 1960s. All Halls of Fame, including basketball, uh, started as halls that are honoring white men. Well, there certainly has to be a, a, something that's famous about what has happened. Congratulations to all of the finalists. Thank you all for being here for this great announcement. You know, that's, that's what the Hall of Fame is. It's about bringing people in to see famous people or famous teams. But fame is fleeting. It felt like time was running out. Every day that passed, what we accomplished faded further and further away. I thought the best place to continue my quest was in Nashville at TSU. And even during your journey, it seemed like the interest fell off again. You know, they heard about Tennessee A&I going into the Hall of Fame, and they're like, he did it. He did it. He did it. He got them in. They almost like forgot about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, critical that uh, stay focused with uh, the issue uh, of, uh, you know, I was chasing a, was driven by a dream unknown at, at that particular time, a destiny unseen and a voice unheard. Then I went to the court every day, honing my skills so I could make them pay. There were no off days and time to relax. My moves and my touch had to be exact. Four to five hours a day I would put in rain, sleet, and snow was part of the toe. At the end of this ritual, my game was bad. My skills were complete. Everybody could be had. I was the talk and toast of the town. Handshakes, publicity, and offers abound. But my dedication had a regrettable flaw. My classwork was shoddy, and it was mostly my fault. And I tell this story anywhere I go about my uh, reformation, you might say, uh, to become Dr. Barnett. I wasn't a very good, good student at Tennessee State. I really didn't take education seriously. And the best thing that happened to me was uh, ironically rupturing my Achilles tendon. Uh, it was a wake-up call 
the chickens came home to roost at Madison Square Garden and said, Dick Barnett, you better go back to school and get serious and get ready for the future. And you did just that. And not only did you start working on a tremendous education and now you teach and have taught for many years yeah. and get the respect you deserve as Dr. Barnett, but then you went on to win two NBA championships with the Knicks after that. So it okay. showed that you prepared yourself, but you still were able to come back and do an amazing job. I want to talk about the fact you, you know, you had one of the greatest jump shots and shots in history of the game. And it started off with you shooting ping pong balls ping into a tin cup. Ping pong balls in a tin cup. <laughs> in a tin cup uh, at the Friendship House, a place where I would go out to school to socialize, play cards and uh, be with the females and, and some of my classmates and uh, shoot, uh, start shooting ping pong balls. Kind of tough, but uh, I became very proficient at shooting ping pong balls and in, into a tin cup. The, the the coaches at Roosevelt heard about this and uh, said, "If you can do that, you should be able to be uh, be good enough to put this basketball into this uh, into this basket." And and that that's what transpired on the playgrounds of Gary, Indiana of Roosevelt High School. Everybody in my neighborhood was black. Life was segregated. The only white people I ever saw on my block were the police. This was the America I knew in the early 1950s. He was real, real quiet. We didn't have a lot money-wise, and we lived in the basement apartment. My mother, she was a waitress, and she worked as a clerk in the grocery store. And my dad, he worked in a mill for a while, the steel mills for a while. I think maybe one of the reasons why I guess Richard played ball was he wanted something better for his life, money-wise. <laughs> Had to be his freshman year at school. They were good at the basketball. But we went to all-black school, you know. The boys could play basketball, but we couldn't leave the city. So you could win city-wise, but you couldn't go to the state tournaments and all that stuff. You couldn't do it. What a team you had there, and uh, you were simply amazing. In fact, people were saying, oh, well, teammates were saying, he's the man already. He, he, he's taken over. When you think about the timeliness of this documentary, in the 65th anniversary year of the Tigers' first national championship, the historic run. Now, the doc has already won a prestigious audience favorite award for feature documentary at the 30th annual Pan-African Film and Arts Festival in L.A. And uh, former Lakers great Jerry, Jerry West. West. Yeah, yeah, he was at, he was at the, the well, show. Jerry, Jerry and I were teammates. So I'm very fond of Jerry, obviously one of the greatest Great, greatest guards in, in NBA history. Yeah. Uh, we were teammates with, uh, with the great El Elgin Bella coming from Indianapolis when they were uh, the Lakers before they uh, transferred to uh, L.A. 
We're speaking with the great Dick Barnett here on Sports Jam. Speaking of teammates, you are talked about in this doc with reverence from some of the greats that we know from the Knicks teams and from the greats of the NBA and ABA, Dr. J, Julius Irving in this documentary, along with your teammates. He's always been the black sheep. He wants to make them pay. He's a maverick. Walt Frazier and Bill Bradley. Yeah, and when, Bradley. And when yeah. Bill Bradley talks about you, Dr. Barnett, he, he gets it, doesn't it? He knows what you've gone through, and he respects you so much. Yeah, we well, obviously, the one thing that, that uh, I walked away from the NBA was a, a, a friendship with uh, key players, Jerry West and, and, and Bill over the years. And uh, obviously, those relationships have really lasted almost the entire lifetime. I told you before we started this interview that you've heard the story from many people that I remember being downstairs in the basement of my home in, in Pennsylvania, and I was a huge Knicks fan. That was the first team that I ever rooted for was the team you were on. And I made sure that I shot left-handed when I shot for Dick <laughs> Barnett from the corner. And usually it was a swish with pup basketball when I was impersonating Dick Barnett and his teammates, including the one behind me, Earl Monroe. But when you talk about this film, the doc geminated in 2011 from a George Willis column in the New York Post. And Ed Peskowitz, a former owner of the Atlanta Hawks, read his column about your mission to get the beloved Tennessee A&I 3P championship team into the Hall of Fame. And then reached out to director Eric Drath, who we've had here on Sports Jam, an incredible director. You have to be so proud of this doc, not only winning awards, but getting the message out in so many different levels when it comes to the struggle. We're still at a point where racism is still extremely strong in this country. Your thoughts? Well, we, 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 we had to face uh, what was happening in the 1950s with uh, Jim Crow uh, revolution and race and George Wallace and uh, the issue of dealing with the Ku Klux Klan the president of Tennessee State indicated uh, to uh, young black males on our team that the safest place for us in Nashville, Tennessee, was on the campus of Tennessee State. So he, he had to emphasize that. When the team was involved in the luncheon sit-in back in Nashville, take us there. We had to uh, make sure that uh, when, when we were doing, we were involved in demonstrations, uh, the ANP and and issues like that. Then we had to be very careful because your life, as I indicated, one of the one of the first things that happened in 1957 when we won the NAIA championship and returning to Tennessee State, we had a bomb scare. And uh, uh, as we reapproached Kansas City uh, to land the plane, we, we, we could see the emergency vehicles. We could see um, the police, uh, everybody gathering to meet us at the airport. So that, that was one of the, the issues that we faced coming out of Kansas City after winning the first NAIA championship. What do you think about where we're at with race relations today? Well, I, I, I think we're 
somewhat better, but we, we're not where we should be. I, I think uh, a democracy to, to a great extent is still un, undergoing uh, trouble, particularly after January the, the 6th with the, uh, uh, the president race being threatened. And we still face uh, those particular issues with a party that has made uh, democracy one, one of the major issues that we, we still have to face. So let's talk about racism on the court when you were in that tournament and basically facing all white teams. In particular with uh, some of the key cities in the South, the St. Uh, Louis Hawks, the Cincinnati Royals, uh, e- even in Syracuse, we had to face some of those particular issues uh, as a as a number one draft choice. You, you understood what what the what what race was all about. I, I, I was drafted in 1959, but uh, I, I arrived in Nashville, Tennessee, 1955, the same year that uh, Emmett Till was lynched in, in Mississippi. So mm-hmm. I, we were well aware of the racial racial issues that, that we faced. I think David Stern did a tremendous job in, in terms of, and Adam Silver has taken up that, 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 that mantle in terms of, of, of racial justice and what, what the NBA has been facing recently. You can only imagine what it was like for you, but there are some people that just, they have that motivating tool inside you. And what's so impressive about your career, Dr. Barnett, is not only a great NBA player and having your number well, 12. I, I, I think, uh, uh, as, as you indicated, uh, you know, and I must say, say, and reemphasize that that uh, uh, ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, b- before that transpired, uh, basketball was my mistress. I really didn't have an idea what what education would mean to me. Uh, Thirty and forty and fifty years hence. Uh, after uh, that ruptured Achilles tendon, you've got to, I, and I think you understand that. Uh, in those days, we're not talking about modern medicine. Usually, when you had a ruptured Achilles tendon, your career was just about over. I, I played about five or six more years after that and, uh, and played on those two championship teams after that uh, after those uh, uh, ruptured Achilles tendon things were behind me, yes. One thing that maybe our listeners and viewers here to Sports Jam might not know is just how far did Dick Barnett go? He holds a master's degree in public administration from New York University and a PhD in education administration and supervision from Fordham University and continues to champion the battles for equity and social justice by telling his story as not only an educator, but going around, and so much as that is told here in the Dream Whisperer. That's what's so impressive is that 
you didn't just take it, well, I'm just going to go get my degree. You took it much further than that. And now you have become such a leader. I like the clips where you're talking to the young kids. You go back to Tennessee State and start talking to the kids. What was that like for you? Oh, great. I mean, because when I looked at them in their faces, I saw a reflection of myself. You know, uh, education, I, I talk about education and dreams and the limitless dimensions of human possibilities. Even uh, as, as, as the South is still going a, 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 a situation where they haven't, it hasn't been completely solved, dealing with the things that, that, that we have to face. I, I just shake my head sometime and see where we are today with the declarations of, uh, of in the, uh, independence and, and all of those particular things. I, I think the game plan is great. It's a great game plan in place for, for, uh, for, for America, but we haven't, just, we haven't been able to live what's in, 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 in the Constitution. It, that's, that's what has transpired. All right, so I have you for three nights leaving on Saturday, so this yeah. is for you. Do, do you guys have a swimming pool in here? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Welcome on behalf of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Thank you all for joining us today to welcome the newly named class of 2019. A dream has to reside in your soul. This remarkable team from a small college made history by winning back-to-back-to-back -back -back championships, or first on any level of collegiate play. A dream you can taste on the tip of your tongue. Led on the court by John Rabbit Barnhill and Dick Barnett, team broke important social barriers as they traveled to national tournaments, helping break down the walls of segregation. A dream lives in your heart. Led by Hall of Fame coach John McClendon, they are elected to the Hall of Fame as a team. The Tennessee A&I Championship Teams of 1957 to 1959. A dream has got to be a part of you. I think you could tell from earlier in this edition of Sports Jam that Dr. Barnett has a way with words. He is a poet, and also he's one of the few basketball players that have had a jazz tune written for him. Harold Mayburn and Christian McBride on the bass. Too late, fallback baby. You were friends with Harold Mayburn, right? No, no, no question about it. Exactly. Exactly. What, are you a fan of jazz? <laughs> uh, some, somewhat. John, John Coltrane. Exactly. Yeah, uh, when, when you hear that song, what, what, what makes you well, tickle inside? I, well, I, it really reminds me of, of playing basketball when I uh, had to go out and play on uh, the concrete courts uh, of Roosevelt High School and what, what we said, we, we, we came out to, uh, you know, it's either put up or shut up. 
you you had to emphasize like like many jazz players like Coltrane, he might not have been able to repeat uh, some some of his serenades because he was dealing with, with a freedom that, that he had. I had l- l- let me tell you a story, and 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 I, and I tell this story every time I talk to young people. Uh, I was one of the few people that didn't graduate go to graduation from my uh, high school prom. I was over playing on the basketball court by myself, playing one on one against the 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 ghosts of tomorrow, the shadows of the future, and and my classmates, uh, the young ladies with their corsages and the young men with their rented tuxedos, they came in about six o'clock to the senior prime and looked over and saw me and said, that's Dick Barnett. He's always playing basketball. He's always playing about, I don't know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. The senior prom was over with and my classmates were coming out, jumping into the after prom limousine to go to the after prom parties and I was still on the basketball court uh, playing shooting and playing basketball and one one of the things that that dealing with the loneliness the loneliness and as as it became darker uh, I, I stayed there with me and my dream. One, one of the things that, that my mother said that I, that I never forgot, she said that I'm proud that you are my son and I'm proud how you have lived your life and, and accomplished what you have done. And so, you know, that, that really inspired me to continue doing what I'm doing, talking to young people about education and dreams and the limitless dimensions of human possibilities. Wonderful to have your sister in this documentary. What do you want to say about her? No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I, I, my, my sister and I, we touch base every Friday, in fact. Before you came on today, she called again. I call her and she calls me. We make sure that we, we're still well. I'm, I'm 85. I'm the, the, uh, the young boy. She's 89. She'll be 90. Uh, I'll never forget. My mother died when she was 94. And that was uh, in uh, 12... Uh, about 13, uh, 12 or 13 years ago. Exactly. So, you know, it has been a situation where we stayed in contact and she's excited about the, uh, the dream whisperer and uh, looking forward to seeing what we put together. And I think Eric did a wonderful job of putting a documentary to de- together with Ed, definitely. You're speaking of Ed Peskowitz and, and yes, Ed Peskowitz. Yeah. No question about it. 
And this documentary will be seen for the first time in New York. There's a New York screening schedule for Thursday, June 2nd. So we, we, we think uh, it's going to be a major turnout uh, for this uh, documentary. And it's interesting, all this attention now for this wonderful documentary, but at times, Dick Barnett didn't always get the attention that he, he should. In fact, it took a long time for the Knicks to retire your number 12 jersey. Why do you think it took so long? Yeah. I, I asked that question. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, uh, you know, I, I think uh, some people had a, a issue with, with, with uh, some, some of the things that I, that, that I talked about. And, you know, I, even I surprised a number of my teammates. They didn't know I was even going back to, uh, to, uh, New York University to, to receive my uh, master's degree. Exactly. Was there anybody that could block the shot of Dick Barnett? <laughs> well, uh, you, you, you had to be very careful. I mean, you had to know what you were doing. I mean, you, you had to know how to, how to play. One, one of the things that, that, that I developed, I learned how to play basketball. Uh, even even when I was in high school, there were a number of times uh, I played against uh, NBA players came to the outdoor court at Roosevelt School to play against uh, uh, high school players. And, you know, those, those were good um, learning lessons. And I felt that if I could hold my, my, my own as a player, high school player, then, you know, I, I was ready with, with the kind of time, effort, and, and, and I must say, uh, every day, it, it, that wasn't just a poem, that was real, every day, every day, snow and uh, heat, whatever, every day, uh, four and five hours, every day, so, yeah, and it, it really became almost like a, uh, a, a, a morning prayer. We, we have put, and, and I'm glad we talked about that. We have put, the, I have put the, one, one of my books that I put out, recent book, it will be out, coming out at the same time as this documentary called Up the Backstairs, Up the Backstairs. It's a book about our travel across uh, the South, uh, sleeping with, with friends of John McLennan, being able to, and I think the documentary emphasized this, relieving ourselves in cornfields and, and all those type of things. So we, 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 we will have that book up the back stairs in every historical black college uh, library uh, as we, we began to tell the story about the dream whisperer. It's not just going to be at the HBCUs. It's going to be in Doug Doyle's library because... No, no, no question about it. Exactly. And, and uh, I, I really want to... The, the type of team that we have in March Madness, I really want to be talking... To those teams and and really any team since the it seems the amateur 
engagement now is really being changed dramatically now, where where players are going to be able to profit off of their image and, and, and everything else. They're trying to get that squared away. Exactly. We just have a couple of minutes left here on Sports Jam, but I wanted to say Eric Draft, the last time he was on Sports Jam, we talked about his choice of who would be the narrator. And in this case, who could tell Dick Barnett's story better than Dick Barnett? You did a wonderful job as a narrator, Dr. Barnett. Oh, no, I, I appreciated that. And, and I, I'm happy that uh, Eric and Ed recognized that. And I, and I think it, it fitted it fit, uh, perfectly in terms of telling that story. The Dream Whisper. Basketball legend Dick Barnett's long, extremely long, challenging, and historic journey to get his team into the Basketball Hall of Fame, that wonderful team, the Tennessee A&I Tigers. It is coming for a New York screening soon, and you will be able to enjoy this film. And I tell you, it really is emotional, and especially when Coach McLennan's wife got tears in her eyes talking about if her husband could still be around. I want to congratulate you, not only for the doc, for the book coming out, for all the fans, for the Lakers and Knicks and the other teams that you played for in the NBA that you provided so much entertainment for and those two NBA championships with the Knicks. Thanks for everything you do, Dr. Barnett, and congratulations. Oh, fantastic. I really appreciate it, and I've been – Really enjoyed uh, having this interview. Yeah, it's been my honor to have you on Sports Jam. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, and I'm, I must uh, thank uh, uh, Steve. Has been very uh, proficient in terms of pulling these uh, Zoom calls together and being involved with the Richard Barnett, uh, Doctor Barnett Foundation. Exactly. Steve Robinson, shout out to you. Thanks so much for helping us arrange this interview with the great, legendary Dr. Richard Barnett. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can check out all the shows by going to wbgo.org slash sports jam or find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.